Amen. What a great sight to see. Bibles all over the sanctuary. Amen. It's always great uh, to be able to see them and to to see that people are carrying their Bibles to church. The other day, my wife and I got into the motorhome, and uh, I have this little compartment up underneath the camper and uh any t- anywhere i go i take my bible with me and uh as we always do if we if it's a if it's a day trip or overnight trip or a week trip or whatever trip we're on because we're always on a trip oh just kidding um i always like to just take the word of god with me and uh you know so we got ready to pray and i'm like my bible you know so i had to run in the house and Grab the word of God and, you know, because it is truly a light in our paths. And so we need the word of God to be able to understand and navigate this terrible, terrible world that we live in. And uh, however, we know that God is still on the throne and he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. I know I've been preaching on this series of life is hard and God is good, but I thought it was so befitting last week when I was uh, preaching, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, do something in regard to uh, three little Hebrew boys. And uh, so I, I thought it befitting to label this message from the frying pan into the furnace or into the fire, right? And so today I want to look at encountering God in the midst of your affliction, in the midst of your decision, and in the midst your promotion. So church, I want to ask you a question. What is promotion? What is promotion? A promotion is when you are lifted from one level to another level. Many of you know what it is to be promoted in your job or to be promoted in your experience or to be promoted from maybe the JV team to the varsity team. To go through things that lift you to a higher level. And in our story today, and if you have your Bibles, if you will, please turn to Daniel chapter 3. It's a promotion is going to take place in the lives of these young men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are going to experience a promotion, but it will not come without trial. Can I just throw a little funny in there? You know, I know that this is now their, their Jewish name, and it's very befitting, and I'll move forward here and find out, you know, in chapter 1, they have different names, and yet they're referenced there as well. Daniel chapter 3. You know, I had all girls, and now I have all grand dolls. So I don't have any sons, just son-in-laws. And so if I had boys, wouldn't it have been kind of funny to name them like, get over here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to bust your butt right now. I mean, well, why do we ever hear that? Everybody calls their kid like, oh, Paul, Joel, Caleb. You know, we need some cool names. So, can, you know, I just need my grandsons, you know, whatever. You just Can you name them like Shadrach, you know, Meshach, and... Abednego. Okay. And every time I hear Abednego, it's like a bend your ego or bend your ego or something like that. But a Benny. 
Hey, we, yeah, we can nickname him Benny. Okay, enough of that. I just always thought that way because I thought it was really cool. Daniel chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Let's read together. I want to read the chapter because I think it's very befitting and then you'll just follow me throughout today's message. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it upon the plain of Dora in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and language, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn or of the flute, of the zither, zither, you like that, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing fire or a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny, oh, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? He said, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Man, I like to hear that. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. Because the king 
in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men in there, unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High. Don't you love that right here? Come on now. Servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I now make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the... I love this in the Bible when it says, not the little G, but the big G. You know, talking about the authority and the kingship and, and just the honor and the majesty of God. Isn't that amazing? The God, the God. Don't you want people to say about you, man, I want to serve the God of Todd, of Sue, of Chris, of, you know, Leslie, of whoever you are. Man, that's the God I want to serve because he's doing stuff in their life. I think that's cool that there was, it made it so personal. So don't speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Woo! Hallelujah. Isn't that wow? Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province. Of Babylon. Here they encounter God in the midst of their affliction, in the midst of their bad situation. So let me just quickly give you a little bit of a backdrop to this story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves working in this secular culture, they're in Babylon. And Babylon is an evil, pagan, and an idolatrous country. Because of Israel's sin, and if you read the whole chapter, God told Babylon to invade Israel, and they brought out many of the young people back into Babylon to live and to work. Daniel, which whom we're familiar with, along with the three Hebrew boys, are part of the group that was brought from Israel to Babylon. And now they have to live their life and do their work in a non-Christian environment. Many of you in this room 
Tomorrow you will go to work in a pagan environment where the people you work for and the people you work with do not share your Christian worldview or even your Christian values. They do not believe what you believe. They do not act like you act. They do not walk like you walk. They do not talk like you talk. But that's the world you live in because you have to provide for yourself, for your family. And you will find yourself in an unrighteous environment. And that was the dilemma with the three Hebrew boys. They found themselves working for the federal government because they were administrators in the regime of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the governing head of Babylon. So they were with Babylonian, they were in the Babylonian school, and you find that in chapter 1. It says that they were indoctrinated with Babylonian thinking. It says they were even given a Babylonian name after the name of a Babylonian god. So the culture was trying to de-Israelize them and probabilize them, trying to take their mindset from rearing of their faith to the raising of their culture. And so, you and I, like the three Hebrew boys, are caught in a cultural tension. How we were raised and what we're taught to believe and where we have to live and earn our money where we have to live and function with the people we have to be around because that's the nature of the job in which many of us are situated. How could you become a Christian when the environment you're in doesn't support your Christianity? What a pondering thought, huh? When the environment that you're in is trying to lure you away from your faith as colleges do with you and me and our children. As the society does with the people of God. So that's the situation. That's the circumstance that they find themselves in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, this morning for your word. Father, I pray in the next few minutes, help me to explain this so that we all understand and that this can be applicable in our own walk of life. Father, help us to understand true surrender. Help us to understand what it means to get to the end of ourselves, to get to the beginning of God. So, Lord, we love you. Speak to us today. Let the Holy Spirit uh, intercede and interpret. Allow the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be pleasing unto you, Father God. But yet that each person can understand true faithfulness and obedience to what it looks like through the lives of these three Hebrew boys. So we ask God that you'll fill me with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, something happens in the beginning of the chapter. Chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, the head of Babylon, develops a theo-ego. A theo-ego. So you ask, well, what does that mean? Well, theo in the Bible means God. Ego is your mindset. He developed a God mentality. He defied himself. He goes on to say in the first nine verses, and you'll see seven times discussion about the image 
he built to himself. He builds a statue to do what? To honor himself. You, you heard me read it, right? 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. He not only builds a statue, statue he comes up with a law. The law says that everyone is supposed to bow to the statue of who? The statue of Nebuchadnezzar. He calls all of his leaders together, and here's what he says. I want you to all bow. And then he gives a warning in verse 6. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of this blazing fire. Now, the issue revolves around one thing. Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to worship? It says he built a statue. And he says you are to worship before the statue. At the heart of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is the issue of what? Of idolatry. We see it all through the scriptures. Let me, for those who may not remember the definition of an idol, an idol is any person place or thing or thought that becomes your source so any person place or thing that becomes your source has now become your god anything that competes with the god of the bible as the thing you ultimately look to as your source is your god So no matter whether you call it your God or not, you and I live in a culture that not only wants our work, they want our worship. Because they often ask us to compromise biblical values in order to be accepted or in order to be promoted. And I think we're right now in the midst of a real big pivotal turn. And y'all better get ready. Stand on the word of God. Make that the source of your foundation, the core value of your home and of your life. Because I will tell you, we are in a, in a dilemma in a time when we are going to be tried, but we're going to come forth true just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen? Amen? So here we are. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves in this dilemma. In their career was on the line. While all this is taking place, difference reared its ugly head, and a racial dilemma takes place between verse 8 that says, For this reason, at the time certain Chaldeans came forth and brought charges against the Jews. So some Babylonians brought charges against the Jews. They didn't like the Jews. They didn't want the Jews working at all in the company. They didn't want to be associated with them or affiliated with them. I think... In today's time, in a union, if you don't like something, you file a grievance. Is that correct? I never worked for a union, but that is my understanding. And the reason they didn't like the Jews is, one, they were Jewish. And two, they brought their faith to work. So they knew they were followers of God. Interesting, isn't it? So let me ask all of you a question here today. If you were accused of being a Christian on your job, Would there be enough evidence to convict you, or would you be found innocent of all charges because because your faith is very vague? Leave that up there for just a minute. Okay. 
they were clearly followers of God and they were Jewish. They could not condemn them because of their work, so they had to condemn them because of their faith. So these three Hebrew boys find themselves on a dilemma because now the Babylonians who work for them, their co-workers, come and say and play politics. You all know how politics are in the office. We see it in the family, much less in the office or in the workplace. They come, they play politics, and they said, oh, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar. You got these Jewish guys here, and they won't bow. Oh, they come to work. They do their job, but you told them to bow to the company. And they're not bowing to the company. They're not submitting to the authority of the company. So Nebuchadnezzar, when he finds out this minority group would not bow, he said, bring them to me. Bring them to me. And in verse 13, he, they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in verse 14 and 15, he says, I'm going to give you all another chance and will immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of a blazing fire. Well, God is there. Who can deliver you out of my hands? Now, here's the question. The question is, I am so powerful. The company is so strong the government is so much in control that just remember, you guys might be able to resonate with this or correlate with this because it's happened to me. That I am in so much of control of your life that if I fire you, you will be fired. And you don't know anybody who can overrule my decision because I'm the man, I'm the king, I'm the ruler, and I have the final authority. That's, that's truly awkward place to be in isn't it think about it you've been there you've seen this manager and you know your your life principles the morals the values you hold as a christian and now you're caught what are you going to do how are you going to make this decision and is god going to see you through it and many of us sometimes we will just automatically just say okay I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to honor this authority without saying, wait a minute. I, I, listen, I'm going to pause right there. I don't want you going to work this week saying, you know what? My pastor just preached a message. Listen, do you know who my Jesus is? I'm going to tell you who my Jesus is. Yes, we need to be a light. We need to handle things properly. But I think that's exactly what I love that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Did you notice in that scripture he kept calling him our majesty, our majesty? I love that. So here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They respond to the king. So I don't know if you caught that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego responded to the king. So either they all talked at the same time, or one talked for all three, because it all says they all three responded. That's why you need to hook up with someone in your workplace or in your environment. Some other Christians in your company so that you're standing so that you're not standing there alone You understand what I'm saying? Where two or more gathered in my name there. I'm in the midst wanted to throw that in there They all talked respectfully. We don't need to give you an answer concerning this matter Let us answer you If so be our God whom we serve is able to deliver us So here's a thought church you are to look at your occupation as a service to what? To the Lord. Through the vehicle of that company. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. 
So they say, we may work for you, but we serve the Lord. We may work for you, but we serve the Lord. The God who we serve is able. The God who we serve, because that's what we got them. That's what actually got them in trouble in the first place. Their co-workers knew that they served the Lord in their job description. But most Christians and many Christians divorce their everyday work from their service of God. And so these three boys didn't. But because we serve him, the God who we serve is able to deliver us. But let's hear the rest of the story. Even if he doesn't deliver us. Because there are two things that you need to know about God. He's powerful and he's able. But he's sovereign so he can choose. In other words, you never let God's omnipotence, his power, cancel out his sovereignty. God must have the option in any situation to choose what the right thing is to do at that moment. And sometimes he does not. And you need a theology that covers where he doesn't. Because if you don't have a theology that covers when he doesn't, then you're going to be mad at him. And when he doesn't, because somebody told you from the pulpit he's able, you're going to be mad at him. You know, I remember as a, as a little boy, and it, it's so bizarre and weird sometimes how things come to your mind when you're studying. But as soon as that came up, it really started to convict me because I'm always saying that our God is able. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength, right? Remember the song? He's able, he's able, I know he is able, I know my God is able to carry me through. Bam, boom, drop the mic. We say that all the time, right? He's able. I know he's able, but I also know that our God is sovereign. I know that he is there to look out for our best interest, to advocate for us. Listen, this has been a great message for me today. I think these messages that I'm going through have been messages that I feel like I'm living through. So I, I just need to feel like I, I want to share my heart to help you through maybe situations in your own life. So we've got to keep both in question. And for some of you in this room, some may say the same thing. Even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, we respect you. We're going to work for you. We're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Because you see, in verse 19, it says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered. He was mad. And it was written all over his face. My kids, if I go to the kids, they know my look when I'm mad. How many of your kids knew that about you? Okay, just a couple. You know, they all knew it. That eye, that look, or that that sound. Or how about this? Todd, Michael, you get over here right now. You know, when they use that middle name, you're in big, big trouble. Okay. So we see that his facial expression is altered. We know that he was mad. We know that his countenance was mad. It ticked him off. And he said, who do you think you're talking to? 
don't care if you said it respectfully. I don't care how, what kind of appeal you made to me. Do you know who I am? And so guess what he does? He is so hot. No pun intended. Okay, thanks for getting it, Trish. Nobody else did. He gave orders in verse 18 to heat the furnace seven times more than it was already heated. Now, can I just stop there for a minute? You know, because we're not talking about fried chicken here. We're talking about crispy here. But what I do notice here that the number seven is the number of completion. You know what I think is cool? Is that it didn't say that he said heat it three times, four times, five times. God is the God of numbers and he said heat it seven times. Now, sometimes we're so busy doing just this. So I need, you know, in chapter one it said this and I'll do this quickly. But in chapter one it says that uh, he chose... Three good-looking Hebrew guys. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick out some really good-looking guys in here, all right? And so here's the way I think it really, really kind of played itself out. So we'll start with the first good-looking guy, Jim, guy, Jim Taylor. Come on up. And uh, come on up. Aren't you glad you came here today, CJ? Praise God, right? And uh, yeah, come on up here, Pastor Chris. Come on up. And then there was... Uh, so, so I just want to show you an illustration here, right? So it says that they had to choose three, and yet they needed to choose another one because it says in chapter 1 that there was actually four. And do we know who the fourth one was? No, you guys are getting ahead of the story. It was Daniel. Daniel, thank you. I'm glad everybody's really with this story today. So we need a Daniel. So let's choose uh, people that are in the back. We're going to choose Patrick. Get up here. Oh, prophet, come forward. Just behave yourself, Daniel. Come on. Let me help you. I got you. You see? There you go. All right. Come over here and stand. Next to these good-looking guys. So here we have four good-looking guys, right? Are you good-looking? Yes. Okay, that's what I knew. I'm glad. So without us getting distracted here, here's what I want to show you what is now taking place in the midst of these young men. So they were, it said that they, they were to be educated, good-looking, and so when the Babylonians went to seek out these Jewish Men, they went to seek out men that would stand out amongst anybody else. I found it interesting that if you read in chapters 1, 2, and 3, that God used them. They found favor with King Nebuchadnezzar. Now they're in a crossroads. They're right now in a place where they're standing before the king, and he doesn't say once, but he says how many times? About the, fire, about the fire, seven. seven times. So as these smart, intelligent men, and good-looking, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, full of wisdom. 
So, but we know at the time there's only three. So we got Daniel, who was a part of that. And I just had to kind of bring him up here for now because he was also challenged in his walk and his faith. But here's something that I learned last night that I think really moved within my spirit. I think sometimes we fail to realize that in the midst of our affliction and in the middle of our adversity of life, God shows up. God will always show up, but we never see because we're so busy doing this. Looking behind us, looking at ourselves. But if we were to look upward and outward and start to see the signs that God is showing. And when he said, I want you to turn up the fire seven times hotter than it normally is. That's God's number of completion. Number seven. Number seven. You remember that. So right then, do you think that that was kind of a confirmation to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you think that at that moment that God, they they thought, wait a minute, he just said seven times hotter. God's going to be with us in the fire. If God will lead us to the fire, he'll see us in the fire. He'll help us get through the fire. Amen? That's what God does. So the reason why the boys made a a huge difference before all of their co-workers, before everything that was going on was this reason. Because at the time, King Nebuchadnezzar said, let me have your attention. They look this way. And yet the men did this. Now Daniel, who is the prophet, is now out of the picture. Come over here. Daniel, follow him. Daniel's over here who's experienced his own things, but he's also pointing people to God. So you go like this. Point up. That way, Patrick. There you go. Perfect. So you're pointing people to God. The reason why they're looking upward is because they're not focused on the fire. They weren't focused on what was going around them. They were focusing on the deliverer and the healer and the one who's going to see them through the fire. Isn't that cool? Isn't that humbling to think that I get so distracted because of everything that's going on around that I sometimes fail to realize that God is in the midst of it all. You can put your finger down. Good job. And uh, that God is with us through all of the adversity. You may be seated. Thank you. Go ahead. And I think, thank you. Let me help you over here. So um, you got it. Hold on to there. There you go. When we start to see that God is in the midst of our affliction, we understand that now we know our rightful place within our position. And I'm going to stop right there today. I think I'm going to do part two next week. Because I have something that's exactly right. Preach it, sister. Preach it. I'm going to share something with you next week that I think will also... Give some insight to our affliction. down, And I'll just stop where I was at. Don't miss next week. Because if there's anything that we can learn today. Is this. That I am so caught up. With the struggle. Of this earthly life. That I'm. I'm so distracted by things that are going on. That my. My true prayer has been this God help me see me through this 
And so, as I came over here last night, just had some, some quiet time with the Lord. I understand that promotion comes when we do what is right. But I also know that promotion comes and God wants to bless us because Satan will come in as a thief to seek, kill, and destroy your life and your relationship that you have with your Heavenly Father, with Jesus Christ. And if we don't understand that even in the life of Daniel, here was Daniel who was in the lion's den. And yet, in the lion's den, it said that he slept. Now, wait a minute. How do you sleep with a bunch of lions when you know they're there to seek, kill, eat, destroy, and tear you from limb to limb? Yet it was because Daniel kept his focus in the right direction. When we make an outward decision, a physical decision to look upward, all of the fear, all of the anxiety, all of the worry goes away because you say, God, you're in control. You see me. You see me for who I am. You see me because of my flaws, my imperfections. But God, I'm staying focused on you. I'm going to look towards you for everything, for anything that I need. God, see me through. Maybe you're suffering emotionally. Maybe you're suffering financially. Maybe you've been demoted instead of promoted. Can I tell you something? And I want to encourage you. That Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they all did something that many of us should be practicing every day of our lives. God, I want a promotion. The only way I can move to the, from this level to that level is to seek your face, not your hands. Not what I can get, but, but Father, I want to please you in everything that I do. The Bible says that in this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you will have tribulation. But he said, listen, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Don't you let any levy get you discouraged. Don't you let anything get you down because our God's still on the throne. And he is stronger. He's more powerful than any King Nebuchadnezzar, than any governor, than any ruler, than any government official, than anything. God is in control. Do you believe that today? Do you receive that today? Hallelujah. Come back next week so we can see what actually happens when we go through adversity. When we start to find affliction in our life, but we start to see deliverance take place in our life through the power of Jesus Christ. Let's all rise to our feet. Father God, we love you and we thank you that today, Lord, we have the great opportunity to come before you and understand that, Lord, that yes, on this side of the kingdom, there will be difficulties, there will be trials, there will be tribulations, but God I can stand up here and say it, and I can also admit that, yes, fear overcomes me, worry overcomes me, but, God, I'm sorry because I started worrying about myself, my reputation, my shame. So, Father God, I, I trade in my sorrows. I trade in the shame and the pain and the, the embarrassment or the sin of my life, Father, that you will restore me. So, Father, thank you for 
in that moment where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing face to face with the highest earthly authority, yet understood the kingship of their Savior, Jesus Christ, and of their God. And so, Father, we thank you that we know who we are and whose we are, and that, Lord, you will use us even this week. Maybe when we go back to work or, or whatever we're dealing with, that maybe there are some negative pressures. But, God, we ask that you'll see us through because you are a sovereign God and you are able to see us through. So, God, we, we claim that. We worship you today. And, Father, we stand with our arms open wide. Even if others forsake you, Father, we will claim you. Father, if you lead us to it, you'll see us through it. Oh, God, how we love you, how we praise you. And we thank you that today you're here with us. Encourage us to walk in the Spirit. Father, encourage us to have a deeper relationship with you. For all to Jesus I surrender and all to you I freely give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.